He's out with a driver now. Now, I'm not sure this is right. Although, he's had a four and two threes on this hole. He's going to be at least three shots ahead. Welcome to Bros and Birdies, a golf podcast that aims to bring the golf news, chatter and guests from every walk of the golfing world. And we aim to pick the winners of the golf tournaments on the PGA, DP World and Live Tours. On the show this week, we will be reviewing the Hero Cup success for continental Europe. We'll also review the Sony Open from Hawaii last week. We'll discuss Paul Azinger's pack committee comments. Lots of players living it up in Abu Dhabi this week. PGA releases for Saudi, but a Vegas rejection. LPGA kicks off the new season and fines for stars who do not play. Have Liv secured a TV deal? And will Mito Pereira go? New Netflix series coming up and there are some wild comments up there. We'll be bringing in the trailer to you. There's continued disarray for the official world golf rankings. We'll be discussing that and more. Plus the Amex preview and picks and the HSBC Abu Dhabi preview and picks. But to do all that, we have to get the big bro in. So let's give him a countdown and get the big fella in. Hello, bro. How you doing? Brought me fat ass down the corridor again, and I'm here. Oh, it's great, mate. Well, thanks for coming in. We give you another good intro. The countdown. But it's a countdown to a busy, busy pod. And we've got to crack on and get through this. Because obviously, as we said in the intro, you know, we've got loads to discuss from Paul Azinger's comments to LBPGA stuff to Saudi release, etc., 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 but let's start with the Hero Cup, the inaugural Hero Cup or the Seve Trophy, if you still want to call it for the um, for those people that remember that great. And I was a bit disappointed, actually. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I didn't see the lift lifting of the trophy, but was it a dedication to Seve or a, a nod to Seve? I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Do you know what? I really didn't see much of it. I wasn't. I, I said from the start, didn't I? I, I wasn't sort of particularly interested in it. I followed some of the results and stuff. Didn't see any TV coverage at all. But as as we pointed out last week, we did predict the Continental Europe win. And that's what it was. A four-point win. 14.5 to 10.5. And some quite striking performances from the Continental Europe players last week, don't you think? Yeah. And there's one in particular. And... He's 50% of this twin partnership, um, Nikolai Hoggard. And obviously, Rasmus pulled out due to injury. Um, Nick replaced him. But what that showed me was that these boys, you know, as long as this doesn't go tits up for these Danish lads, but it, if it remains the same and they get to Rome, these two are going to be formidable in four balls, right? Because we know they both hit a country mile off the, off the tee. But they have, both have little intricacies in their games, short games and around the green games. I think they're going to be a great partnership. And Nikolai Hoggard was so aggressive. And I watched a bit of it. He was so aggressive. It was, it was great to see. Just released it. A, a youngster. Reins were off. That was it. It's not about a 72-old tournament. It's about the beating the guy that was next to me. 
And he was playing the shots. He was a bit out of position on a, on a few occasions, but he still had that nous to, to get up and down and give himself a chance. And the competitive streak in these brothers, I tell you, they're going to be tough to beat. And I don't know. I don't know if there's anybody out there who knows. Have there ever been twin brothers in the Ryder Cup? Cool. Haven't the Molinari brothers played in the Ryder Cup together? But did they team up as a four ball? Do you know what? I don't know. That's probably a good one to go back. We should look. know that, really. I think the only chance is the Molinari's. I, I can't. I, I can't think of anybody else. But um, no, yeah, no, if you this, go onto socials, give us a little um, little tweet or Instagram post or a message, and um, give us the answer to that. Because apart from the Molinari's, and we can look it up now if you like, but I can't remember. But anyway, they're going to be a formidable partnership. And what was great to see was. Both skippers in the Sunday singles, Tommy Fleetwood defeated Thomas Peters three and two and Franny Molinari defeated Shane Lowry three and two. Now that's a great sign. You know, if those two, we know they're going to be Molinari saying, oh, you know, I hope I hope I can make it and play well enough to get a pick. I'm sorry, Franny, you're already a pick, whether it's a captain's pick or not. You and Fleetwood will be paired up again and it'll be Mollywood again. We'll have the twins. We'll have Mollywood going on. But there were some other great performances. And there's one player I want to talk about, bro, is Sepp Straka. Obviously, we know that he's predominantly based in America and the PGA Tour. But I would really love to see this Austrian. I think he's Austrian, isn't he? He is Austrian. Yeah. Play more over here. You know, he beat Ewan Ferguson five and four. And Ewan's been playing some good golf of late. And... It's that sort of talent, you know, Seamus Powers, Sepp Straka, these lads that are playing a lot of golf on the PGA Tour. I'd love to see them in a build-up to Rome play more over here. Um, it's just a thing. I don't. I want to see players dedicating themselves to the DP World Tour, or the European Tour, as I still call it, before the Ryder Cup. But I think we've got a we've got a great team building now, and it's up to these lads to keep that momentum going and build it towards Rome. There's, there's a lot of fight, isn't it? I mean, there's going to be a lot of play for the places. There are obviously a number of places that are already shoe-ins for Rome in the likes of Lowry, Fleetwood, Hatton, Molinari, Peters, more likely. So, you know, there's a lot of places up for grabs. And obviously, it looks like we're not going to get the Live Boys on the Ryder Cup team this time round. That's certainly the way it's heading. But I, as I say, I didn't see any of the footage, you know, any of the play over the three days. But I did look back at the results and obviously, you know, it's interesting. You talked, that, you know, quite a bit there about Nikolai Hoygaard. And, and I want to refer us back to the time when we talked with Blandy. You know, we, we talked, I think the first conversation we had with Blandy, we talked about, you know, was he was he thinking he was maybe going to get a Ryder Cup place, obviously, before everything happened with Liv, etc., etc. But you know, we, we talked about the Hoygaard twins at that particular conversation. And, you know, Blandy said, well, maybe not at Rome 2023. 20, and who knows? I mean, Nikolai Hoygaard's performance last week, OK, he was chaperoned pretty much the whole of the three days, wasn't he, by Franny Molinari? It was almost like father and son going round. But, you know, it's and they both had three and a half points out of four maximum, as did Victor Perez, as did um, Miliotti. But it was a, a commanding performance all round. But yeah, I just I, I think whilst I didn't like the idea of the Hero Cup, 
I think it probably has given them a lot to think about in terms of, or Luke Donald, a lot to think about in terms of, you know, who might come into the team. And I, I think there's a, a couple of players in particular that I don't think are ready yet. I don't think Richard Mansell or Ewan Ferguson are ready. Um, I think Alex Noren is probably past it, in my personal opinion. So, you know, there's maybe some names you can strike out. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I back what you say. Bro, I'd love to see someone like Sepp Straka. I'd love to see Burmy, um, Detree playing more in European competitions. But of course, they've got their PGA Tour card, and you know that's maybe where they where they want to play. So interesting dilemma, and a lot to take, I think, from the Hero Cup last week. Ah, oh, for sure. And the, you know, twenty players there that all have a shout of getting into Luke Donald's teams. Obviously, they have his favourite, but will. You know, there was a comment, and we can we'll talk about it now because we're talking about the Ryder Cup. But there was a comment about Ian Poulter said, "Look, even if I play myself onto the team in the points list and I'm allowed to play, I'm not even sure." Quoting him, "I'm not even sure if I'll take up that spot. My head is not." He said, "My head is not in a great place at the moment regarding what's been going on, and obviously there's lawsuits and everything." Anyway, we're going to get into more of that in in a bit because we're going to, when we talk about Abu Dhabi, there's a lot of live players in this tournament this week, and there's a it's a bit of a strange scenario. Um, but we're going to anyway. I'm going to digress. We're, we're going to talk about that. Let's get into the Sony Open um, in Hawaii last week. Yeah. <laughs> Before we start talking about facts and figures and numbers and whatever, I just want to say, Benny Ann, right? I, I put up. I put up a message because we had Kirk and Connors and Montgomery and, and, and all the lads and Michael Thompson, play, play, JJ Spawn, players with chances that we picked the, um, in last week's podcast. But Benny Ann, I thought, you know what, I'll supplement this. I think he's got it. He's been playing well and he was playing really well, got himself into great position and then somehow, somehow managed to take seven shots from 87 yards. <laughs> That was literally your bet on him, mate. As soon as you put that bet out, he shot that quadruple. <laughs> no, oh, I'm man. sorry. Hey, Benny, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Also, Benny is annoyed. Um, none other than um, number two golf parody man, um, Sam Harrop. He's <laughs> he, Sam's Sam's over in um, Florida, and he was hoping to get another game of crazy golf. But um, Benny Ann's not available for for that rematch, so um, he's annoyed him as well. But yeah, that was a shocker. I'm sorry. I know golf is tough, and I know you get your ball into precarious positions. Hello, misses at times, but seven shots from 87 yards. Even you, bro, at the fescue couldn't do that. Oh, mate, seriously, I, I saw that, and I was thinking like how. I mean, obviously, he put it in the rough, and I think he took two shots to get it out of the thick rough, or thickish rough at three inches, as we reported last week. But yeah, I mean, that is just comical. That is, you are an absolute jinx. <laughs> I am. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, talking of jinxes, there was a, there was a guy at the Sony Open because we I had Chris Kirk, and he was a good price. He was seventy one without um, Tom Kim, who had a shocker of a couple of days with the flat stick. But he was 71 without, and he was going well. He was playing well. You know, I can still get a good place. There was this this guy on Twitter said, it was like, Kirk's got no chance. I'll give you 90 to one now. And it's like, my words, you know, 
mate, you should do that. If you if you think, if you know for certain that someone is not going to win a golf tournament, then do that all the way down the field for about 143 players and you've got your winner. You know, if it's that easy. But um, Kirk did falter a little bit, but a great finish by Siwoo Kim. He started off the Sunday birdie in the first three holes and you knew something was on the cards. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it was a very good performance, but spare a thought for Hayden Buckley, you know, who I think played some tremendous golf throughout the week, obviously. He finished second, one shot behind Siwoo. But yeah, when when you're standing, you know, just off to the right of the fairway on a par five, final hole, knowing that you've got to birdie it, you know, there was a conversation with his caddy and, you know, got to run this ball up, you know, run it up with a five iron up to the front of the green. And he just he just caught it off and he left himself a very, very difficult sort of up and down. Obviously, didn't make the 12 footer for the birdie that he needed. And so you've got to feel for him because he did play. So he's got a weird swing, you know, how he lifts that club over the ball before he comes down on it and stuff is, is just odd, but it seems to work for him. But yeah, Siwoo Kim is, you know, a four-time winner now on the PGA Tour. I think, you know, obviously a, a player's winner as well. But, you know, he was ranked number one, strokes gained tee to green, uh, 11.7 um, in terms of that ranking. I mean, that's quite phenomenal statistic, really. 24 birdies, for the whole of the 72 holes in regulation. And he was also tied second at 83.3% in GIR. Now, we talked, obviously, as we do on most podcast weeks, about some of our stat angles. And we talked about, you know, it, you know putting was very much needed. GIR, driving accuracy, obviously, with the additional rough length as there was last week. I think it certainly did play out a little bit, actually, in the tournament because... You know, we only saw 18 on the winning score. Normally, you would probably expect uh, early 20s, mid 20s, as has been some years. But we didn't have the wins there uh, last week. So that rough must have played a factor. But yeah, stat angle wise, Kim, bang up there. Great final round. I'm, I am becoming the in-play um, king, to be honest, because I've got him at 14 to 1. But uh, spare a thought for Andrew Putnam. Um, ranked number one in strokes game putting. 10.057, uh, four shots off the lead and, you know, played some really good golf throughout the week. But the putting wasn't the only thing that, that could help him over the line. So uh, I just want to talk about Corey Connors, bro. I mean, seriously, Corey Connors, um, 10.158 strokes gained tee to green and also ranked second GIR alongside Siwoo Kim. Um, you know, lost it though on the putting green. He was 73rd last week in the rankings on the putting green and only lost by six shots. So, uh, you know, Corey Connors for me was uh, that was a missed opportunity. And JJ Spawn, similarly, in those two rankings, was up there. Two of our plays last week. But yeah, just a few numbers uh, to recap last week's great win for Siwoo Kim. Yeah, and we got a we got a place with um, my boy Kirk at seventy one, yeah. or you could have got about eighty fives, nineties on him. A quarter of the odds would have got you a decent return. I think we were a couple of points lost last week. Um, Only three points. Only three. Yeah, points. we we haven't cancelled our hero cup um, prediction eleven nope. to ten continental Europe. Get your house on. But uh, just a quick before we move on because we've got loads to talk about, so we won't dilly dally too much. But have we found? Tom Kim's Achilles heel in, in his putting. putter. Yeah. <laughs> and it is that have 
is that what's going to stop Tom Kim from winning every single tournament every single week? Listen, he isn't going to win every single tournament every single week. And there is obviously, you know, he's 20 years old. Yes, he is a great talent in the game and he is going to win more tournaments. But you're absolutely right on the putting. He needs to slow down. He is so bloody quick over his putting and stuff. And I think it's just because he's always on edge. He just seems like a cat on a hot tin roof and he needs to rein that in and he probably needs somebody really good behind him that can give him that encouragement and that advice because he is talented. But right now, uh, certainly last week, his putting was very off. Right, let's crack on. Like I said, we've got loads to talk about. Now, we want to talk about the PAC committee. Um, PAC standing for Player Advisory Committee and Paul Azinger's comments. Now, the PAC Tour Committee advises and consults with the PGA Tour Policy, the Board of Directors and Commissioner, Jay Monaghan, on issues affecting the tour. Some and of the players, players. some of the players. some of the players that are on the advisory council, um, Corey Connors, just mentioned him, Ricky Fowler, Max Homer, Jane Lowry, Keith Mitchell, Scotty Scheffler, Adam Scott, Will Zalatoris, and Maverick McNeil, to name a few, right? There are more. But you wanted to have a, a word about Paul Azinger's comments. Yeah, interesting one, really. I mean, you know, Zinger obviously being on the Player Advisory Council for 13 years as he was, um, made a really weird comment in the commentary booth when he was next to uh, um, his co-commentator saying that he, he thought it was a colossal waste of time, the Player Advisory Council. Now, it is interesting in the sense that you're on it for 13 years yourself, but now all of a sudden it's a colossal waste of time. Um, you know, it, it kind of, it took everybody by a bit of surprise really. And I, I'm not sure why, why the comment was made from someone so um, esteemed as Paul Azinger as he is in the golfing ranks and has been over the years, but just an interesting comment. And I think, whether it was a reaction to Adam Scott joining and sort of, you know, I think Adam Scott said he, he felt like he was starting out a new career or something as a rookie because um, he's now on, on the pack. But yeah, it was just, it was a very interesting statement and I'd love to know what drove him to say that because it certainly took, um, you know, his co-commentator by surprise. It was just Jim Nance, I think it was, but um yeah, a very, very odd comment. Another interesting point, though, bro, in terms of the members of the pack, isn't it interesting that, you know, obviously there's a significant American theme to this in terms of the players, but only a few names outside. You know, we've got, I think, Mackenzie Hughes, Corey Connors, Canadians, Shane Lowry, Irish, um, Henrik Norlander, Swedish. Is he? He's the only, him and Lowry, the only European representatives obviously you've got McElroy as well he's a long-standing dish but you know a lot of American influence on that player advisory council thoughts well yeah it's interesting you've got the player directors McElroy's a player director Webb Simpson um, Patrick Cantley all new I think McElroy's directorship runs to 24 you know if you remember 2024, that's when we're going to see the benefits of this um, strategic alliance. Just like to put that in there. Um, so perhaps he's finishing his directorship with the PAC committee so he can concentrate 
on this um, great strategic alliance that is building up between the PGA and the DP World Tour. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with this. Um, I, I'll listen to it. I'll listen to Zynga. I don't really listen to Zynga much, to be honest with you. It does me head in. But um, he, if he says it's a waste of time and he's been on it for a long time, then it must be a waste of time. Another thing that's a waste of time in the PGA Tour, just like this bloody pip. So, I don't know, bro. I, I really don't have too much to talk about. You know, there are Ram has issues. Ram has said he has issues with it. Other people have had issues with it, and now Zinger's had issues with it, and he's been there. So, can we see? Is this the start of the fall of the pack? Who knows? Who knows? Right. That's enough about one pack. Let's go to another pack that has a wolf in it but he's not around this week. It's live players in Abu Dhabi. We've got Reedy, Westy, Horsey, Burndy, <laughs> Weisberger, Poulter, Stenson, Bland. Now Stenson, ex-skipper, sacked skipper of the Ryder Cup team. And Donald, current skipper, will be there. Will there be tension? Cool, I don't know. Do you know what? I, you'd like to think not, wouldn't you? You'd like to think they'd be grown up enough for there not to be tension. But this is clearly another juicy golf tournament with a mix of live players. A lot of live players, actually. I was really surprised to see so many. And obviously, you know, those players that have probably got a gripe with, you know, why they're playing here this week and stuff. But yeah, Patrick Reed, that's a big name, although he does like playing in the Middle East and certainly in the UAE. But yeah, it's um, a, a lot of them there. And yeah, I mean, you'd love to be in and around that area to kind of see really what's going on, the conversations that are happening. But I think it's going to be a great golf tournament there this week. Yeah, Reed seems to like the sand between his toes. And it is going to be a good tournament. There's lots going on. There's lots of potential antagonistic stuff and comments and what have you. And I'm sure... The television company, I think it's Sky and the lads from Sky will have a field day on this. And I'm sure it'll be brought up many, uh, many times. But you said, well, you know, how come are, how come they're there? You know, we thought there's a massive ban. They're not allowed to play in tournaments. Now, hunch here, bro. Unless there's something that, that we missed, and we may well have done because, you know, we do miss things from time to time. But have they sort of loosened the noose a little bit based on the fact with everything that's going on, the lawsuits and have they heard something perhaps from their lawyers that have told them you can't actually ban these players. You can't stop these players from playing golf. Maybe, maybe bro. It's just, yeah. Like you say, you know, we may have missed a subtlety around the legal situation of uh, all the battles that are going on. There is um, supposedly a hearing this coming Friday. We're obviously Tuesday evening here in the UK, um, you know, around the whole kind of um, antitrust lawsuit and stuff. So maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I was totally surprised to see so many players. And obviously, you know, we, we've got, uh, you know, new stuff coming out through the Netflix series. And we've already seen, haven't we, um, you know, clips of people throwing clubs, reportedly Polter. Um, it's just, yeah, it's going to be so interesting this week. Right. Live TV deal. Do we think they've got one? Now, we have been told by a person that is very close to many of the Live players and um, golfers in general 
we have been told and we're hoping to get him on the podcast very soon. We know he's at the country this week, but we're hoping to get him on. He said he's expecting to hear a lot of news by the end of the week. A lot of news. Now, a live TV deal. Will that be part of the news? Maybe, maybe. I mean, you know, there is some big stuff going on at the moment. Liv have not been able to secure this TV deal. A, a reported deal with Fox Sports had capsized, um, but they're now looking to uh, try and secure a deal with CW Network, which, and, and this is according to the sports business. Is that Charlie Woods? <laughs> yeah, it could be Charlie <laughs> Woods, yeah. It's uh, kids walking. No, but um, no, it's the CW network. And it, it's actually um, they're not known for their sports channels at all. In fact, they're known for targeting, you know, the, the teen population and programming around teens and stuff. So teenagers, the, the real word. But yeah, that that's the latest news out there is that that's who they're trying to source a deal with. And they haven't yet got it. And there is also some talk saying that maybe live are considering giving away the uk tv rights for free um so maybe that you know there's a lot of backpedaling going on here a lot of struggles within the live structure to try and secure a tv deal of sorts but right now that you know there's not a lot of advertisement going on out there obviously because they haven't got a tv deal um and they haven't even secured their whole schedule for 2023 i don't believe so you know, when are they starting? In February, early February in, at the Saudi International. Um, you know, and no, actually, is that is that their first event or is that actually the Mayakoba their first event? Do you know what? I'm not even sure now. But yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> of, it's, this is what confuses the hell out of you, isn't it? It's like, you know, well, there's so much going on. TV deal. I, I do have a theory. I have a theory that. Um, yeah, there'll be stuff coming out soon. Obviously, the, we're going to talk about the Netflix drama in a minute, but let's talk about players that might be going. Now, Cameron Young, Cameron Champ, Lucas Herbert have been given PGA Tour releases to go and play in the Saudi International or Invitational. Now, that's all well and good. Does that mean Cameron Young, Cameron Champ and Lucas Herbert are going to join Lib? No, it doesn't mean that. I know Cameron Young has been touted as a player to join, as well as Mito Pereira. Is he going? He's been a long, long discussion, a long topic about going to live. And yet we're, we haven't heard anything. But one player that has not been allowed the release, he hasn't been allowed the, the pleasure that Young, Champ and Herbert have gone, is Jonathan Vegas. Now, oh, according thanks, to... Baby. Yeah, no Vegas. No Vegas in Saudi. Now, according to Handicap 54 on socials, a source close to the Venezuelan has confirmed this. We have not heard from JV, and he hasn't returned any of my calls, which is unusual because he loves a party. Um, yeah, so we don't know. It's yet to be properly confirmed by the man himself. But he hasn't released. Now, why wouldn't he be released odd one because he's not like you know he's not a massive name in the world of golf is he? he's a, he's you know he's been around a long while yeah you know good player um but been a, around a long time on the pga tour but he's not one of those names that you'd think crikey why would the pga tour not release him for this there's got to be something else behind it has to be south american team south american team Joaquin Neiman, 
Jonathan Vegas, maybe. I I, I don't know. Ted it's Pereira, yeah. Abianza. It's you know, it's one of those. This is what I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to all the news coming out. We're waiting for this. There's something big coming out. I can feel it staring in my loins. Anyway, listen, we can talk all we want about that, but there is one major thing coming out soon around the world of golf. Now, the docuseries makers of um, Drive to Survive, the Formula One documentary, that brought a lot of new fans to Formula One. A lot of new fans. It was a fantastic docuseries. I loved every single minute. It had everything. It had ex- excitement. It had bite. It had more plots than you could ever dream of. But they're bringing out, as you well know, a Netflix series about golf. Full Swing is on its way to our screens. Now, bro. You, if you were a documentary maker, you could not dream of a better year to follow world golf. Come on, <laughs> you, you think it, you, you're, you're drumming it up, right? You're all around the, the whiteboard, um, talking to producers and directors and what have you. You're thinking, yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll get this series going in, in 2022. What a season! All the bites, all the drama. It, Live all the history, mate. Let's listen to the trailer because I've got the trailer for you. Everybody, listen to this trailer and tell me this does not get your heart pumping. Have a listen. Every year, these guys fight for their career. You picked a hell of a year to start following the PGA Tour. Fighting to win every time I play. Whatever gets it done, that's all that matters. Winning is so hard on the PGA Tour. At the end of the day, you're playing against the best players in the world. They want to step on my throw, I want to step on theirs. It's winter, go home. Beautiful weather! All it takes is one week for your life changes. Quiet in the house, action. If I want the game that I love to be played by future generations, the game needs to be pushed forward. Ow. <laughs> I can't wait. It's coming out very soon. And I wouldn't be surprised if Live Golf drop all their bombshells when this thing comes out. Absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I can't wait for this to come out on Netflix. It's going to be absolutely gripping. In fact, I was listening to the No Laying Up um, podcast recently and, and they actually kind of made a statement that's like, you know, they can't wait to see some of the players just make themselves look like absolute dicks quote you know it's just yeah it it was so so funny but uh yeah can't wait for that so looking forward to it and it's gonna it's gonna provide so many more talking points isn't it just around you know it is mate individuals the world of golf no absolutely is and another talking point let's move swiftly on the official world golf rankings um continual continual disarray and I want to highlight something. Um, 
this this week has been going on on the KFT in Bahamas. There's been a tournament, right? The winner gets 10.65 points. There are 19 players inside the top 500, with the best player in this event being Chan Kim, who's 145th in the world. 10.65 points. Let's put that against events that happened towards the end of the year. The Aussie Open. The Aussie Open had only 10.2. The Aussie PGA won by none other than Cam Smith had 10.06 points, less than the KFT Bahamas tournament that's happened this week. The Joburg Open, 9.2. Czech Masters, 10.3. The ISPS Handa World Invitational, 8 points. It highlights what Ron was saying. It's not working for world golf. Siwoo Kim won 39 points last week and moved up 43 places to 41 in the world. Rahm won 37.6 points for the century and didn't move an iota. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, Siwoo Kim moved uh, 41 places from the the back end of last year and now sits 41st in the world. Um, it, it's just striking. And you're absolutely right. I mean, John Rahm has got... A, a very big point that he's making and but what you've got we've talked about this a few times what you've now got to ask yourself is at what point are the decision makers the rule makers going to backtrack or are they not going to backtrack around this and the point system is what it is and you just have to live with it oh you have to live with it well <laughs> come on it's, it has to change. You can't have this happening. It's, it, all it's going to do is affect world golf. And they can talk about um, shots gained, points, and blah, blah, blah. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yes, it was a limited field event in the century, but what a field it was. Yet, because of the limited field, it had a field strength rating of 196 compared to the 228 of the Sony Open. And the Sony Open was nothing in comparison. It was just, I, I, I don't know, it beggars belief. It has to change. The field rating strength has to change. The, the shots gained has to change. And it has to change quick. Otherwise, World Golf will continue its complete free fall away from the PGA Tour and the KFT Tour. And yet, this DP World Tour and the, the Strategic Alliance, come on. I can't... I, I just can't get my head around it. And Ram is completely and utterly correct. And he's not alone in those thoughts, bro. He is not alone. Lots of golfers come out and slammed it. So no, therefore, of course, of course he's not. Of course he's not. Daw- I mean, Dawson has to, uh, your man in charge has to come out and he has to go, okay, look, I'm going to listen. Let's, I don't know. I think you should just go back to the old system. I think it was working completely fine. It certainly was, again, in our opinion. But what you've got to, what the, I guess the the tours have got to be worried about, and specifically the PGA Tour, if if something doesn't change, is, you know, take John Rahm as an example, right? Is he's not getting the points. He's still sitting, you know, he's fourth in the world at the moment and winning tournaments and not climbing up that ladder as he would have been under the old system. Um and, but that just gives maybe more 
credence to the fact that, well, why, why don't I make the move to live? Why don't I go and earn the mega bucks money at the end of the day for playing golf tournaments? It's no longer about rising in the world or being world number one. Um, and, it, and if the major organizations are not going to put a ban on the live players, then again, even more reason why they wouldn't. And maybe live are sitting there rubbing their hands at the moment and going, Do you know what, this is part of our strategy, maybe to to continue to scoop up the big names in the world of golf. Um, I know they're not a decision maker in the process of OWGR, but it is, you know, it's a topic that keeps on rumbling. And at some point, yes, it has to change. But right now it is what it is. And that's what we've got. Well, the Amex this week is 52 points, 52.9 points to the winner. The Abu Dhabi HBC Championship, which is a good field, a strong field. I know the Amex is a very strong field, but the Abu Dhabi is quite a strong field. 25 points. Crazy. Half, you know, less, half the points. Less than half the points. They're, they're strong fields, both of them. You very know, strong. Very yeah. strong. Yeah, it, it doesn't, you know, the Abu Dhabi is, you know, just over double of what the Bahamas on the KFT for points to the winner is. Jesus Christ. It doesn't make, it does, it's literally makes zero sense. Anyway, so let's not, um, <laughs> we, I'm sure we're going to be talking about let's this for, <laughs> for, for many weeks to come and rightly so. Right. So have we got any other topics to talk about? Do you want to mention something about the LPGA? Yeah, interesting. I mean, you know, we're obviously talking, you know, we, we have been for the last nine months talking about worlds of fines for making a decision and, you know, tours coming down heavy and the LPGA tour season, uh, you know, which again, if you look at last season, it, it was a phenomenal season for the LPGA and they kick off again this week with their tournament of champions. And uh, reportedly, it may be that Minji Lee and Jin Young-Ko, ranked third and fifth in the ladies' game at the moment, may not be turning out. And there's there's some ruling around um, not competing in the opening tournament of champions on the LPGA Tour. And as a result of that is they're going to get a $25,000 fine for not competing. Wow. Um, which is interesting. I think Minji Lee might have an injury. Uh, I'm not too sure. Don't quote me on that one, but she may have had an injury toward the back end of last season. But it's an interesting stance, isn't it? Is, you know, when you what do you call that, bro? Do we call that a minjury? Stop it. Behave what? yourself. No, uh, mi- <laughs> it's a play on words. There was nothing rude meant oh, whatsoever. Jesus Christ, it's late. <laughs> Get on with it. Right. Anyway, that, that's the LPA, LPGA Tour. Um, very briefly. And the last final bit of news is, I think um, most people must have seen it now, but Nick Sir Nick Faldo put out a tweet saying that he's now going to be the host of the Betfred British Masters for the next five years at the Belfry Golf Course. Interesting news. Now he's given up his commentary role. Up the Faldo. Good boy. Love it. it I, it's great to see him. It'd be great to see him at the Belfry. Um, he loves that course, obviously, Ryder Cup memories and what have you. Fantastic. Love Nick. Um, right, let's get into it, shall we, bro? We've got two tournaments to talk about and we've um, probably gassed on for too long. So let's let's a quick look at players. Xander's playing. Xander's back. Zalatoris is playing. Zalatoris is injury. Tom, Kin, Tom Kim's misbehaving putter. Siwoo Kim, can he follow up? Huh, I don't know. Data Golf shows that this tournament is all about short wedges, but it's a multi-course event. 
um, don't really lend themselves to course history too much. There are three courses. Um, you can tell us a little bit about them. Yeah, just very high level. So uh, we've got uh, La Quinta Country Club, a par 72, just a shade over 7,000 yards as one of the rotational courses. The Pete Dye Stadium course, again, they're all par 72, these courses, but that's just a shade over 7,100. And the Nicholas Tournament course, just a shade under 7,200. But again, you know, resort courses, obviously, you know, par fives in abundance, um, low scoring. You know, we, we're seeing an, an abundance of 61, 62, 63s and 64s by a lot of players. But, um, you know, water in play on quite a few of the holes, certainly on the Pete Dye Stadium course, uh, which tends to kind of really um, emulate sawgrass a little bit in terms of its design. But, yeah, you've got to be looking at comp courses say you know tpc summerlin scottsdale which is obviously home to the waste management the phoenix keen trace um generally but yeah it's you know again another birdie fest stat angles certainly looking you know as i was last year birdie or better par five performance gir percentage and strokes gained approach and that's really a little bit about the courses I say a little bit used to be formerly the Bob Hope Classic and uh, a few stat angles that helped shape our picks this week. Oh, shaping the picks. I like it. Yeah. Multi-course events. For me, these three courses, and you said it, it's about greens and regulation precision and you can discuss value against the favourites, etc. But if you think a golfer is at the peak of his ability, then you have to call that. And I mentioned a few weeks ago before the century that Rahm will have his best season and will be number one sooner rather than later. That certainly hasn't changed as he heads to a coast that he loves. So, yes, I will be looking and all the stat angles, I will be looking for some value, but it will be in a market without Rahm because Rahm will be one of my players. I, I just don't see beyond Rahm at the moment. I think he's one of the... Most, I think he is number. I think he's probably playing, as he said himself, the best golf in the world right now. And in Rory's absence, I don't know what Rory's been doing for the last few weeks, but you know, he'd be looking at these players playing some absolutely phenomenal golf. And I know you like Patrick Cantley, but I'll be playing Rom as my major pick. Let's get him out of the way, and I'll look for some value in the market without Rom. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Johnny Rahm, we've had a li little bit of an outburst from Rahm here before in, in past times, haven't we? You know, kind of um, where I think he made some statement, didn't he, around a bloody putting contest or something, <laughs> yeah. something like that. And it was, yeah. So, you know, he clearly has a liking here. John Rahm, his form tells you that, as does with Cantlay. And there are a few others. So, yeah, maybe there is a little bit of value out there in the without markets, which is something that we always look at. Obviously, didn't play out last week because we played without Tom Kim and Sung Jae-im and they both missed the cut. So that wasn't very successful. But... Definitely no. value this week. Yeah, I mean, you're going to go with Rahm. I'm going to go with Patrick Cantlay. I think he's going to have a very good week. Um, you know, has had some good performances here in the past. I think a couple of ninths and a second. Um, certainly is someone that loves a birdie fest type uh, competition. And, and these course layouts seem to suit his game. So if there are first plays, then I think it's a case of shuffling out the rest of the pack and seeing what we come up with. 
Right, let's crack on with it then. Um, I'm going to go first pick. Um, I went with the Hoagie, Hoagie, Koki, Koki. Tom Hogue, lethal, right? Because one of my stat angles is approaches between 100 and 150 yards, right? Lethal from 100 and 125 yards is, is Hoagie. He's currently first in shots gained approach um, on the PGA Tour. Second here last year, third in the century, he is 40 to one outright, but he's only 35. We only lose five points in the market without Rahm. I think 35 to one without John Rahm for Tom Hogue, after what I've just said, is a great price. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely a good play. And, and, you know, Tom Hogue has had some good early season form. I think, you know, he was certainly expected to feature last week. Um, you know, didn't, I think it relatively good tournament didn't feature that highly but has certainly got form around here for sure so it's a good price it, yeah it, i like the price about tom ho good chances was on my short list didn't make my final cuts all right let's go with my second play then this week i'm gonna play again another shorty um tony finau i think you know he again likes this type of format into you know pro-am birdie fest type um, tournaments and uh, um, I know he's short he's 14 to 1 in the outright market but he is also 9 to 1 without Ram Scheffler and Cantlay and he's 11 to 1 without Ram so still got to figure out what one I'm going to go with but Tony Finau is my second play okay the Finau you got Cantlay and Finau he's going for the short prices to start right so I think Hogue is value but these two guys right my next two guys, I'm going to give them both together. Two guys that will find plenty of shots off the tee, and they have a great short iron game, right? I'm going to go straight in. It's Dean Bermester. He hasn't played a lot of golf of late, but it's Dean Bermester and Taylor Pendrith. Taylor is 80 to 1 in the market outright, or 70 to 1 without Ram. Burmy is 125 to 1. Now, Burmy loves a multi course event. We know that. He's got the game for it. He's got the eye for it. He's got the around the green game for it. It's not going to be bad weather um, on the West Coast, which is unusual because we've seen terrible weather hit the West Coast of America. But Burmy's 125 to 1 in the market or he's 90 to 1 in the market without Rahm. You see, I'm losing 35 points there in the market without Rahm and I'm not prepared to do that. So I'll probably play Burmy in a normal market, but Pendrith in the market without seven. God, you crazy horse. I'd take 90 to one all day. If you're that confident about Rom, you've got to play him without, surely. Yeah, maybe. But that's, you know, 35 points is a lot. When I'm losing only five points with Hogue and I'm losing only 10 points with Pendriff, but I lose 35 points without Burmy. Um, I'd rather have 90 points in the bag for a second outright, plus obviously the each way you're going to get with it as well, rather than the... 24 to 1 you might get if you're, you're playing, you know, with with Rahm. So, listen, that's a decision you've got to make, bro. I'm just challenging you on that one. No, that's fair enough. And um, I'm just, you know what, we're going to digress. I'm just going to move away from the, the golf a little bit. I'm just, I'm looking at Liverpool's team tonight. We play Wolverhampton Wanderers in the FA Cup. And there's a lot of listeners out there that love footy as well. Um, starting is Kelleher. We've got Milner, who presumably is going to play right back. You've got Tamikas playing left back. Gomez and Canate in the centre of defence. Young lad Bacekic, um in the centre with Thiago and Kaita. And then Elliot and Carvalho alongside Gakpo. 
Wow. Interesting. Very interesting. Anyway, let's get back to the golf. Yeah, so they're my picks. So my four picks for the Amex are Rahm, Tom Hogue, Dean Bermester, and Taylor Pendrith. Interesting. Right, okay, let's go. I'm playing five this week in the Amex. I'm getting my card out. Um, Yeah, anyway, we've gone with Cantlay and Finau. Um, I'm going to play another short one this week, again, in Will Zalatoris. I just... His game at Kapalua really made me stand up, certainly after coming back from that back injury. And I know it's a birdie fest at Kapalua and it's a relatively straightforward course, but there was a lot of green shoots in that for someone who's just come back from an injury and he loves it here. He's got, you know, he's shot low here before and okay, you can get anywhere between 20 to one to 12 to one in the without market without the three big boys, including Scotty Scheffler. So a decision to be made, but Zalatoris is my third play. My fourth, why not? Why can he not back up last week's brilliant performance? Yeah. Thought that myself. As someone that has won here already, you know, he's had a tied 11th last year and the win the year before clearly has a liking, is playing a very good game. Siwoo Kim at 33 to 1 in the outright market is a mm. big price for a winner last week for sure. And my final play, my fifth play, is a little bit of a hunch. It's a semi hunch. It's not a little bro hunch. It's a big bro hunch. It's Ricky Fowler. Reportedly, <laughs> Ricky Fowler. Has you know, he's got some new clubs, he's striking it really well. He seems to be back to some kind of you know, playing a really good game. I've read some reports out there that give me a little bit of confidence about Ricky Fowler 80 to 1 outright or 50 to 5 to 1 in the market without the three big boys. And he, whilst a little bit of a hunch, is my fifth play. So they're my five Cantley, Zalatoris, Finau, Siwoo Kim. Not see you later and Ricky Fowler. Bro, if I had a pound for or a dollar for every time I heard that Ricky Fowler was back, then I wouldn't have to bet on golf. Um, but yeah, I, I admire I admire that, the optimism because it'd be great to see Ricky Fowler back. Um, he's a great character, he's got a great following, and yeah, it would be great to see his game back to somewhere near what it used to be 10 years ago. Right. Um, okay. Well, let's crack on. Let's come back over to the DP World Tour, and we're in Abu Dhabi. Now, Yaslinks obviously hosted for the first time last year, but it's a course you know. So let's um, you've had a walk around it. You told us last week. Let's talk about it. Well, but that and also the uh, Abu Dhabi Golf Club. You, you're probably thinking the one, but yeah, walk around them both. Uh, Yaslinks is on Yaz Island, uh, a lovely swanky island in in Abu Dhabi in the UAE, and it was first introduced to us last year on a DP World Tour. Uh, whereas previously it had been 16 years, I think, at the uh, Abu Dhabi Golf Club. But it's a Kyle Phillips design, uh, par 72, just a shade over 7,400 yards long and clusters a bit of a linksy style course as well. And certainly, you know, the wind can get up in the afternoons in this part of the UAE for sure. And we saw that last year, didn't we? I think in round two, the players got absolutely battered by the conditions and really struggled, which is why we saw a you know a, a relatively kind of high scoring event um to par and you know we we know 
with this course is it's going to be subject to the elements. If we don't get the wind, then I think it's a relatively easy course to take apart. But, you know, fairways are rolling and slopey, pot bunkers, undulating greens that are large, large greens. But I do think it's, you know, and we need to look, anybody going for a bet this week needs to maybe have a little look at the weather in Abu Dhabi, at Yaz Links, Yaz Island, close to Ferrari World. Have a look before you decide. But there are few characteristics about this course. From a stat angle, again, I think maybe scrambling is going to be required this week around this course because there are a few runoff areas for sure. But, you know, if, if the wind gets up and you can play that type of condition and you like a link setup, then this is the course for you. Anything from you, bro? No, I think you covered it, Grace. And I think the Abu Dhabi Tourist Information Centre will be sending an email right now asking to um, employ you. Right. Who can take confidence of last week at the Hero? You know, we're staying in the same part of the world. Bobby Max 80 in round two here last year doesn't instill any confidence. So we look at players that are playing. We think Molinari and Moronk. And I'm going to go first player Moronk for me. Was playing well here last year until his withdrawal had an injury. But it's worth siding with the big pole. He's, he's, he knows how to win now. And at 30 to 1, we saw some great golf from him last, last week in the Hero. I think he could go close. And I think he's a player that has the confidence, will be looking towards Rome, wants to keep that run going. 30 to 1, I think it's a big price. He's my first pick. Yeah, he was on my short list this week. Didn't make the final cut. So I'm kind of glad to some extent that you've covered him, but certainly had a great finish to the back end of 2022 with a couple of wins. Obviously, one in Australia as well, which was a phenomenal performance. But yeah, really good uh, Polish player, new guy on the scene, and is certainly going to win more tournaments for sure. Okay, Adrian Moronk, first play. Right, my first play this week. I'm going to go with a guy that we spoke about a bit earlier on who was chaperoned around Abu Dhabi Golf Club last week by Franny Molinari. And it's certainly um, one of the Hoygaard twins. It's Nikolai Hoygaard. And so he'll be buoyed by that strong play last week with three and a half points that he collected. He'll certainly want to continue to impress. And I'm pretty sure he wants to be on that Ryder Cup team alongside maybe his twin brother but Nikolai Hoygaard is a very big price this week in my opinion and I'm actually going to play the 50 to 1 on offer in the market without Tommy Fleetwood and Tyrrell Hatton the reason being I think Tyrrell Hatton will have a very good week this week uh, I, I think you know if he gets will Tyrrell Hatton he's played, ever... he's played he's played well here he's played well here if he can keep his temper under under control he had a tied six last year. First event here, obviously, at the new course. But, you know, generally has a liking for the UAE, for sure, in some, you know, some of the other tournaments. So I think you've got to look at that as well. Do they like playing in this part of the world? Yes. So, you know, sun on your back, who wouldn't? But I think, you know, Hatton should have a big week, despite his anger management problems that will never, ever, ever go away. Um, and, yeah, I, I definitely think um, it's worthwhile looking in that market without those two big boys, but it's Nikolai Hoygaard, 50 to 1, first play. Right. Second play for me. I think um, Francesco Molinari's words after his fantastic Hero Cup performance boost his chances here. He knows he needs to get a run going, and his iron play last week, last week will stand him in good stead here. I think he knows what he needs to do. He's a major winner. 
he's going to be in Rome. Molinari, 45 to 1, I think is an absolute steal of a price. I'm not even bothering about playing in the market without. He's a winner. He's a born winner and he's back to his best and he's going to go on this season and have a great season. 45 to 1, second pick. I think he's a big price, isn't he, Molly? I mean, you know, interesting, really. I mean, he, he stayed over here, hasn't he, from obviously the Hero Cup last week, but he would normally be in America playing the Amex. The last two years in the Amex, he's finished tied sixth and tied eighth. So that's you know typically been a big tournament for him. So the fact that he's staying in the Middle East, playing on the DP World Tour, probably tells you something and he probably likes where his game's at at the moment. So that's a very big price, bro. Like that play. Good, good. Right, next My pick. second play is a Spaniard who likes, certainly likes Middle East golf, uh, tied ninth at the DP World Tour finals, a 65 final round here last year, you know, in relatively tough conditions uh, at Yaz Links. And it's Adri Arnaus, the big hitting Spaniard who I previously thought had played live, but hadn't. That was a mistake. But he's fifty to one <laughs> also. So I, you know, I certainly like Arnaus's game round here, and he's my second play, fifty to one. Well, I'll stick with you on that theme. Uh, Spaniard for me. It's Rafa. Rafa Cabrera Bayo loves the desert. Um, was pipped by a stroke here last year. He's had a break. He'll feel refreshed, and he can. He too can feel he'll get a spot on Donald's team. And for me, I do think he's got the game. I think sometimes Rafa, his iron play goes a little bit AWOL, but he's got the around the green game. When his flat stick is hot, it is hot as anybody's. And I think a, a massive price, 125 to 1. I think he's great value. So, yeah, third pick for me is a Spaniard. And that will come before another pick for a Spaniard. But, yeah, 125 to 1, Rafa Cabrera Bayo. Who wouldn't pick Rafa Cabrera Bayo at the moment? You know, listen, he loves the Middle East Gulf. He loves UAE in particular. The last four years here in Abu Dhabi has finished no worse than tied 12th. That's a record to die for. So he clearly loves it. You know, he doesn't play a lot of golf in the offseason for sure anyway. So he's ticking over and there's no reason why he can't perform. He was tied second last year to Thomas Peters, beaten by one shot even with a 71 in the tough second round conditions that were. So clearly has a liking for this course and he's a massive price. In fact, he was on my list. I'm not going to play him because you've played him, but um, I think he's big at hundred to one in the without market, without Tommy and, and Hatton, then that that's really enticing. But yeah, like that play. My third play is Jordan Smith. Going to go straight in. Englishman had a great season last year. Um, he was tied 12th here as well. Uh, good in the UAE in 2022 if you look at some of the other tournaments that are played in this part of the world and okay he's relatively short at 25 to 1 without Tommy and Hatton but you know he's playing some top golf at the moment and he will definitely want to be on that Ryder Cup team so big big week for Jordan Smith this week and he's my third play okay my final play for Abu Dhabi is a another Spaniard Pablo Larrazabal. Um, now, the reason why I'm going with Pablo is that I know for a fact, and I love watching this guy play, he's looking for a flying start to the season. That's his passion. That's what drives him. Gets a good start, builds on confidence, builds on momentum. 
if we see the same Spaniard that won twice in four weeks last year on DP World Tour, he has a huge chance at odds 175 to one. But also the fact that we are looking to get um, the mind coach, golf mind coach, Lee Crombleholm, onto the podcast. And we've been talking to him and he's over in Abu Dhabi and he has a stable of, of golfers. And Pablo is one of them. And I asked him a question and he won't mind me saying this. I asked him a question, said, whose mind is in a great spot right now? He came up, Pablo, right? He's worked with many golfers, um, Matt Wallace, um, Baldwin, Kiradech, Afi Bumfat, or Afi Barmrat, as, as, as he's known. Um, but yeah, Pablo, he works with Pablo. Pablo's head is apparently in a great place. And 175 to 1, a solid mind in a solid player. It's good enough for me. Absolutely brilliant. And we are coming with the Spanish Armada this week, aren't we? Because I'm going to finish my play with another Spaniard, Adrian Otegi, 40 to 1 in the market without Tommy Fleetwood and Tyrrell Hatton. Otegi absolutely demolished Andalusia Masters at Valderrama last year. We saw that. Okay, listen, we're not in Spain. We're in the Middle East, but he does have a liking for the Middle East. He was also second in South Africa at the back end of last year at the Alfred Dunhill, which tells us that his game should be in a good place. And at 40 to 1, I like the play. They're my four. And we've gone big on the Spanish. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm still sad about the fact that Valderrama is off the DP World Tour um, schedule. You know, obviously I'm excited that it'll, it's on the live and it'd be great to see the likes of Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith going against Valderrama because it's a hell of a golf course and deserves. Now, so I'm just going to go to a point here. And I would love the fact that we have more than one major outside of America. And there's no better course that should host a major in Europe other than Valderrama. And that's what I want to see. None of this talk about the fifth major being the Players' Championship and and all that malarkey. I want another major over this side of the world, okay? It can move around if you like, and it can go to places like Marco Simone. It can perhaps go to some other Lynx courses, that are on the roster for the Open that don't really get the um, the plaudits that they deserve. It Maybe it could go to a place called Wallasey. What a great golf course. Who knows, right? But Valderrama, it's very sad. But anyway, I do digress. Yes, we've gone big on the Spaniards for the Abu Dhabi tournament. And there are picks, guys. Let's run through them quickly once more. Adrian Moronk, Franny Molinari, Rafa cabrera Bayo, and Pablo de Rathabel for me. And for me, it's Adrian Aus, Nikolai Hoygaard, Adrian Otegi and Jordan Smith. And obviously with a sprinkling of Cabrera Bayo. <laughs> well, OK, that's it for this week from Bros and Birdies, the golf podcast. Bring you wellies next week because we're in the Farmers Insurance Open on the PGA Tour. We'll be previewing that. And on the DP World Tour, we're staying in this part of the world. We're staying in Dubai, United Arab Emirates even for the Hero Dubai Desert Classic so we'll bring lots more chatter hopefully we'll have some more news about Liv and maybe we'll have another Ram comment about the official world golf rankings but from this week it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me and to players out the legend that is Peter Alice have a great week this, this really is beyond the joke now he's, he's, he's gone gaga because this is uh... 
This is quite... I've never seen anything like it before, and to attempt to hit the ball out of there is pure madness.